Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. And we are excited this morning. We're going to continue a series we've started a couple of weeks ago entitled Simplify. And in this series on Simplify, simply what we've been doing is looking at an invitation that Jesus has extended to a world in chaos and a world that is unpredictable, that is uh, complex. Does this sound familiar to the way our world is today? It was very much that way in the first century. It's that way today. And it was in this kind of a world that Jesus extends an invitation. We're going to look at it in just a minute. But what we've looked at and how we've unpacked this over the last couple of weeks, first we looked at the fact that there was a battleground, a spiritual battleground going on for your time and your attention. There's a spiritual battle going on for that. We talked about that, how it takes, it requires us to slow down in a time like this and really be intentional about continuing to do that. And we looked at last week the fact that we have a world that is um, putting a high price tag on your attention. As a matter of fact, they have carefully crafted algorithms that monetize your attention, that take your attention and sell it. It's one of the most valuable things that we have today that is uh, monetized. And so we've got to be really careful where we get it and to pay attention to what we're paying attention to. Because ultimately, here's how we ended it last week, that what has our attention has our hearts and will determine who we become. Our life will always move in the direction of our focused attention. Your kids' lives will move in the direction of, your, of their focused attention. It's just true of us as human beings. And we're going to look at this invitation again today because it's in this invitation that Jesus helps us and challenges us to begin to simplify our lives. And in this invitation, Jesus invites us to begin to lower that cortisol level, that stress level, that anxiety, and this has been proven that when we simplify, that's what happens. And you know what else happens? That peace begins to increase. Our ability to focus our attention, it begins to increase. Our ability to be creative and even to love other people and God, our capacity increases. It's powerful when we put it into practice. Let's take a look at that passage together. It's found in Matthew chapter 11, starting with verse 28, and here's what it says. Jesus is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. He says, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to unpack this challenge, this calling, if you will, this invitation that Jesus gives, and really begin to understand what is this easy yoke, and how do we begin to approach it? How do we begin to take it on? How do we begin to live it out? It's an incredibly important question to ask, and as we begin that, let me start by, uh, with a question. How can Jesus' invitation help us to simplify our lives? How can that invitation do that? Well, the first thing we have to do is understand the context in which Jesus was teaching this. 
that in Jesus' Jewish culture in his day in the first century, he was considered a rabbi. And rabbi from the Hebrew simply just means teacher. He was a teacher, but he was so much more than just a teacher. He was a teacher, yes, but he was the Messiah, which means he was the actual embodiment of God himself. And with that being said, people saw him as a rabbi. And he had two things that every rabbi had. And this is important for us to understand. Here's the first thing that he had, was that Jesus had a yoke. He had a yoke. Now, what is that? A yoke was a first century metaphor that was used to describe the way in which a rabbi, a teacher, a Jewish teacher in particular, would teach people about the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. How do we live that out? That was the job of the rabbi, the Torah, to, to teach the Torah. And even beyond that, he taught, the rabbi did, how to be human, how to bear up under the weight of life and be able to live under the weight of this life in such a way to be able to live out their life to reflect the fact that they are people of God. And it would be covering things like marriage and divorce, things like prayer and things like money and sex and conflict resolution and government and all of it. Jesus would, would have to uh, describe and, and explain all of that to them, to, to explain how that works. And this is exactly what Jesus was doing. But this also was a metaphor that, of how two oxen would plow a field or to pull a cart. It was a, a yoke in the first century looked something like this. It was put over the oxen. It was for them to be able to do work together. It was a way of saying that you are connected to me as your rabbi, it's you're connected to this teaching, to connected to God, and you're going to live this out now. It's you're going to carry this yoke through your life. Now, what the rabbis were teaching wasn't anything new. Everybody has a yoke. Everybody has a system for how they live. Whether you say you have any faith or not, whether you have any faith in God or not, everybody has a yoke. And even among the rabbis, what Jesus having a yoke did not make him unique. The fact that he had an easy yoke, that made him in a category all by himself. Everybody else's yoke was very difficult. When I say very, I mean impossible. No, nobody could live up to all of it. Nobody could, could actually complete or to, to, to exercise all of the components of it. And Jesus had this yoke. Here's the second thing that he had as a rabbi. Jesus had apprentices, apprentices. Coming from the Hebrew word talmudim, talmudim can be translated most commonly into uh, disciples or followers, but it also can be translated into apprentices. And I love this word apprentice. I think it captures the word beautifully. Because it really helps us to understand that if we're going to be one of Jesus' Talmudim, it means that we are to apprentice under Jesus, to learn from him, that we are to do what he does. Now, we're, we're going we're gonna to look at, what does an apprentice do? To apprentice is, means to build your life on three goals, three things 
This was in the first century. This is what it means right down to this day to be an apprentice of Jesus. Here's number one, to be with Jesus, to take time. If you were to apprentice under, under someone, it means that you would intentionally take time to spend with them, to be with them, to invest in time with them, that you are spending time learning from them. You are learning how to speak like them and act like them. And number two, that kind of bleeds into our second one, is to become like Jesus. It's to, once you spend enough time with him, you begin to adopt his priorities for life. You begin to pray in the way that he taught and the way that he did. You begin to observe one in seven days as a Sabbath to step back from work and to rest and to worship. Jesus did this every single week. He took time for people to love them, to hear them. He took time to invest in them. It will cause us to begin to reflect We can't help it. We'll just begin to start to reflect Jesus in our life. And then here's number three, that we will do what he did. You do what he, uh, pardon me, do what he would do if he were you. And this is really important because this really challenges us to contextualize, really to say, okay, because I know part of the pushback here sometimes is saying, yes, I wanna follow Jesus, but Jesus didn't have kids. I got kids. Jesus wasn't married. I'm married, right? Jesus doesn't work at my job. He doesn't have the same kind of stressors that I had. All that may be true. He had his own stressors, by the way. He had people trying to kill him. Um, and, And I hope that that's not true of you. But he had all of the kinds of things that we can look at and say, we can extrapolate from the way that Jesus lived and the way that he taught we can, we can decide and put into our context, here's what Jesus would do if he were me. If he were, and I'll put it totally in my situation, if he were the dad of my daughters, here's probably how he would love them. If he was married to Leslie, here's how he would do that. If he was the pastor of Brothers Fellowship, here's how he would do that. It helps me to be able to fill in the blanks of how to take those next steps. What would it look like? If you were to take this really seriously, to do what he would do if he were you, so incredibly important. But this was the invitation that Jesus was throwing out. He's saying, listen, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And guess what? If you do this, you will find rest for your souls. That's what's gonna happen. That's the end game. That's the end result. Jesus is offering this to people who are dying inside, that are frustrated in an uncertain, chaotic world, and they don't know how to connect with God, just like today. And he's saying, listen, you want to put salve on that wound? If you want to put salvation in your heart, you want to, the thing that your heart, your soul is longing for, come and be my Talmudim. Come and get to know me. Follow me. I promise you, you will find this is the right size for you. This is what you've been created for. This is what you were made for. Now, what I'd like to do, and let me just say this real quick. Jesus was throwing this invitation out to everybody. He was saying, come follow me. Come be my apprentice over and over and over again. So here's what I'd like to do right now. And just wherever you're sitting, wherever you are right now, I'd like you just to do this with me. I'm going to read this passage one more time. I'm going to do it a little slower. And I want you to think about every phrase in this passage and how it relates to you. Now, before we do that, 
and this may be a little odd, we've not done this before, I want us just to take a deep breath together. All of us right here in the room, and those who are watching, let's do it together right now. Okay, ready? One, two, three. That may be the first big deep breath you've taken all day. I think it may be mine too. So just, just relax in a non-hurried, non-rushed approach. We're going to read this passage again. And I'd like you to think about every phrase of this passage. It's so powerful, guys. And I really believe God has something for you in this moment. Really listen to what God is promising to us right here, okay? Here it is. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke. We just talked about that. What is this yoke? Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You don't have anything to be afraid of. I'm not going to hurt you. And you will find rest for your souls. What a great promise. And he ends by saying this, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now I want to read to you one more time from the message translation. Completely different, but same sentiment, same concept, same heart behind it. And here it is. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. A lot of us don't know how to do that. Let's be honest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Isn't that beautiful? I love this phrase. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, every time I read that, I love it. Learn that unforced rhythm of grace. I don't lay anything, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that good? That's so good. And right now, there are many of you out there, if you could be really honest, you are tired. You're tired of quarantining, right? You are weary from the news and the constant barrage of not great news. It's frustrating. You feel stuck, right? I feel that way sometimes too. You feel stuck. You feel like you can't quite catch up. You feel like you're getting further behind. You feel like you're kind of drowning and you can't seem to get to the surface. Am I speaking to anybody out there? Anybody feel like that? Maybe a better question is, anybody out there not feel like that? Oh my gosh. We all feel like that. And to you, to me, to all of us, Jesus extends this beautiful invitation, this beautiful offer. He says, listen, come to me. Take my yoke upon you. I want you to come and shoulder right up next to me. We're going to take this life together. You don't have to do this alone. You can do this with me. We can do this together. And I'm going to teach you something critical that you will not find anywhere else and you will not know if you don't come to me. I'm going to show you how to shoulder up under the load of life because life does have a load, right? And I'm going to show you how to carry it with ease. Nobody else can make that promise. Only Jesus. 
And if I can be really honest, and maybe this is kind of where you're coming from too today, you've maybe grown up and you've heard this passage, this, you know, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 passage many times. And I heard it many times growing up. And you're saying, I've heard that, Will. And if you asked me, I'd say, yeah, I believe it. But if I could be honest, my life just doesn't reflect that. It doesn't reflect that peace anyway, at least not right now. Or if it does, it's, it's very short-lived. And I totally get it. I grew up back in the 80s, and the 80s were pretty cool, not nearly as cool as Stranger Things makes it look. Okay, let's be honest. Um, but I remember growing up back in the 80s, and this passage, this Matthew 11, 28 through 30, like, a, like many passages, was a, was a common one that was thrown around. It was one that was displayed at my church. I remember my pastor talking about it, my mama talking about it with me. Thank you, mama. Happy Mother's Day once again. Um, I remember uh, my youth leader um, teaching me about this and me reading it on my own. And it was one of those things that kind of continued to come up over and over. And if I were asked, I would say, yeah, I believe that. But honestly, I don't feel it reflected in me. If I'm brutally honest, I don't, like I struggled with it a lot. And, and, and I, I'm kind of asking the question, maybe you're asking it too, is like, am I missing something here? Like, am I missing? And the answer to that is, yes, definitely. I was missing something, absolutely. And the answer that I was missing might be the one that you're missing too, and it was hiding in plain sight. I love how Dallas Willard explains this in his book, The Celebration of the Disciplines, and, uh, and the Spirit of the Disciplines, rather. And in the book, here's how he explains this passage, and I think this is beautiful. He calls it the easy yoke, the secret of the easy yoke, and here's how he puts it. He says, in this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. Remember that word, lifestyle. Our mistake is to think that the following, just following Jesus consists of loving our enemies and going the second mile and turning the other cheek and suffering patiently while, let's be honest, living the rest of our lives just as everyone else around us does. Here's, I love how he ends this. He says, it's a strategy bound to fail. This is not going to work, doing it like this. In other words, and if I can, I'd like to simplify Dallas Willard's profound words. I want to break it down into just a sentence here. And here's the sentence, how I'd like to break it down. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. You cannot separate those two. One goes with the other. And if you feel like you're having a hard time, I mean, it, it's so true, isn't it? We would love to have the life, but the lifestyle goes with it. I've got some friends that are amazing CrossFit athletes, like so good, uh, and they know this, I'm not just bragging on, if they continue down the road, they might go to the CrossFit games. I, I don't know. In my mind, they've already won, okay? But uh, I've got some friends that are amazingly good. And from time to time, I work out beside them. Notice I didn't say I'm working out with them. We're doing different workouts completely, all right? And I see them over there, and I admire, man, their strength and their endurance and their ripped body like that. Like, I wish I could look like that. That's so awesome. But the thing is that I forget in that moment is there is a lifestyle that goes with that. There is a lifestyle that brings that kind of a result. 
There's a lifestyle that requires them to go to the gym at least once a day. On some days, maybe twice a day. And there's also a lifestyle that says, I'm going to eat this kind of paleo-only or some version thereof diet that's pretty strict. And while they're eating their paleo diet, I'm going for my second piece of Sopapilla cheesecake on my birthday, right? Thank you, Leslie, all right? I'm like enjoying all of that so much. And at the end of the day, if I could be brutally honest, yes, I'd love to have the endurance and the strength and have the ripped body, all that. That would be great. I would love all of that. But at the end of the day, if I could be brutally honest, I'm just not willing to put in the sacrifice to adopt the lifestyle. And therein lies the problem for so many people when it comes to following Jesus. We see what Jesus is offering. We see the kind of life that he promises, and we say, yes, I want that. I want that so bad. But if we're really honest, we haven't really been willing to adopt fully the lifestyle. We'll say yes to the teaching. Oh, yes. Yeah, Jesus, what you taught, what, those are, that's, man, that's so good, right? They, all those propositional truths that you threw out there, all of those things that you taught, all of those ideals of how to live, we would call those things theology, and they're important. I adopt that theology, or all the do's and don'ts that are taught in Scripture. We would call that ethics, and that's important too. But those cannot be grasped and held onto by a follower of Jesus at the expense of looking at Jesus and saying to follow him is to follow his life pattern, his life style. That's what it takes. It means adopting fully and completely Jesus' lifestyle, as best we can understand it and to incorporate it into our everyday system. Because Jesus knew something about us. He knew that this was critical to us following him. He knew something about us, and that was this, that your life is always a byproduct of your lifestyle. Your life is always a byproduct of your lifestyle. Now, what is lifestyle? It's just the rhythms and routines of your everyday life. It's how you spend your time. It's how you spend your money. It's where you give your attention, as we talked about last week. This is what makes up that lifestyle for us. And every single person has a, a system or a lifestyle system that they have adopted. And here's the interesting thing about our lifestyle system. I've got one, you've got one, everybody's got one. Everybody's lifestyle system is perfectly tuned, perfectly designed to produce the results that we're getting right now. Now the problem is, many times, we'll read a book We'll go to a conference. We'll be exposed to an online preacher. We go, oh, that's so good. Oh, that's such good information. And we adopt the information, right? We adopt the information and we think, oh, this is going to change me forever. But really what we've done is we've just swapped out some theology or some ethics. We haven't actually changed our life. So we're really not behaving any different. So if we're going to behave exactly the same way and expect different results, hey guys, that is the actual definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. That is the crazy maker for a lot of Christians. Like why am I not seeing things change? Because we're not willing to change our lifestyle. And until we do, we're not going to see a whole lot of change. And it's so important that we slow down and say, is it worth 
really seeing actual change. And if we are willing to do that, then that means we got to take a close look at lifestyle and say, am I willing to let that adapt to what Jesus taught? Because this is why Jesus says, I want you to come to me. I want you to take your yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn from me so that you might learn to have peace for your souls. I'm inviting you to come and take hold of this. And if you think about it, it's such a peculiar thing to say, such a bizarre thing to say, I want you as weary, tired, worn out people in a system that is breaking you down to come and adapt to your life and a piece of equipment. That's what a yoke is. People that are tired don't necessarily turn to equipment and say, I need a new piece of equipment. Jesus says, listen, you need equipment. What is a yoke? A yoke is for farming. Farming is work. It's not rest, is it? It's beautiful. Dr. Frederick Dale Bruner, one of the top scholars on the Gospel of Matthew, wrote about this particular passage, and I love how he put it when he starts talking about the yoke. Let me share with you what he wrote. He says, a yoke is a work instrument. Thus, when, God, when Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers need least. Get this. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. I love it when theologians start making jokes, right? That's as funny as commentaries get, so you got to really enjoy that, okay? All right, but Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibilities. He goes on to say, realism sees that life is a succession of burdens, We cannot get away from them. Thus, instead of offering escape, Jesus offers equipment. Jesus means that the obedience to his Sermon on the Mount, his yoke, in other words, will develop in us a balance and a way of carrying life that will give more rest than the way we have been living. I love that. Do you see the genius in this invitation of Jesus? You see, see what Jesus is saying here. He's not promising an easy life. As a matter of fact, if anything, Jesus is saying an easy life is a myth. Life is hard, period, full stop. It's hard. And and the wisest people that ever lived, some of the greatest philosophers, theologians, and writers have written about it in every century as far back as human beings have been writing about it. Life is difficult. It's filled with suffering. It, It is challenging. It is hard. Jesus was not denying that. And and no amount of technology or substance that will ever be invented will take away the sting and the pain that comes from the fall of humanity, the, the pain that came, that comes from the sin in our world. There's just no way to escape it. The pain is here to stay. The pain is all around us. Why do you think there's so much addiction in our world? Right? And the best that our world can offer is a temporary distraction from the pain, a, 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 a temporary escape from the inevitable pain. So true. This is what makes Jesus' offer so incredibly unique and beautiful. Jesus does not offer us escape, something way better. He offers us equipment. 
Jesus offers us a way, not to say life is, life is super easy now, but a way of bearing up under the weight of life and to be able to carry it with him with ease. Jesus is saying, if you'll partner with me, shoulder to shoulder, get up under this yoke with me, follow me, walk with me at Jesus' pace, with him being filled with love, joy, and peace. And he's going to be constantly teaching you how to be filled with it too through every step along the way that he will show you how to shoulder this life in a way that is not soul-crushing, which is the way that so many people live. It's time to adopt a new lifestyle. Any other yoke, and as I said at the beginning, we all have adopted a yoke. We've all adopted a lifestyle system. And if we can be really honest, that system is not serving us well. It's hurting us. We find ourselves weary and burdened over and over and over again. And Jesus is saying, come, come to me. And don't just accept the theology and the ethics. Don't just accept the propositional truth, but the applicational truth, the the truth that will change the way you live every day, how you treat people, how you relate to God, how you speak, how, how you do everything, everything. Because I have wired you in a way to live successfully, and that way is a yoke that will give you freedom. It will help you to live freely and lightly. I love that. Such an incredible gift. If we boil it all down, what Jesus is offering us, he's saying to us, an easy life isn't an option. An easy yoke is. That's what I want you to have. An easy yoke. And over the next several weeks, we're going to begin to unpack these incredible disciplines that Jesus did every single day of his life that we can begin incorporating into our life that can have magnificent differences, change, life-changing differences in the way that we follow God in our lives. I hope you don't miss any of these upcoming Sundays that we can talk about all of them and to be able to unpack them and help you to be able to apply them to your own life. Now let's talk about how we apply this today. Here's the prayer I'd like to ask you to pray with me just to begin to, the first step of saying yes to this yoke. Jesus, I want to be yoked together with you as your apprentice. I will follow not only your teaching, but your lifestyle as well, that I may find rest for my Soul. For some of you out there, you're going, oh my gosh, that sounds so good. I want that. My heart, my soul yearns for that. And today, I want to ask you just to take the first step of saying yes, Jesus. Yes, yes to your yoke. Yes to this calling. Yes to this invitation. I'll take that yoke upon me and I want to begin to be an apprentice, a Talmudim. I want to begin to understand what does it mean to be with you, to be like you, and to do what Jesus would do, and to begin to live like that every single day. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com. Dot com.